With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Joe Hugan with you once again. Joe, what's up, man? Hey, you know, just watching uh, some Hawkeye basketball and, uh, you know, really paying attention to uh, what's going on for next year's uh, Iowa Hawkeye football. Yeah, man, it's it's been it's been some fun times. Certainly watch the basketball team go on this, uh, this four-game win streak after that loss uh, at Minnesota on Christmas Day. Uh, and you and I are going to spend a couple of minutes here. We'll talk some basketball, obviously. That, that's kind of the front of mind for all Hawkeye fans right now as uh, the game against Michigan State is, uh, is Thursday evening. Um, but then the, the real purpose of this podcast, Joe, and you and I mentioned this before in other podcasts and have been kind of teasing this for a while now, is to kind of look back on this 2020 football season. Uh, and you know what we liked, what we didn't like, and kind of what we're looking forward to uh, moving ahead. Kind of where the program is, uh, all, all of that. Kind of an overarching conversation about football, and, and I'm excited to do that with you. I can't wait. It's the season that wasn't that ended up being. So. Yeah, right. And that wasn't again towards the end. <laughs> and so uh, we'll hit all of that. But first, before we do that. This basketball team has just been uh, incredibly fun to watch over these last four games. This was a, and obviously a, a huge stretch for this team. That lost to Minnesota. You know you're not going to go undefeated in a league like the Big Ten and, and the way it is this year. And um, we we didn't expect that. But I also didn't expect Iowa to to lose that game at Minnesota. Really, at no point in that game did I feel like it was in in jeopardy until the very end. And then the Gophers just got crazy hot from three in, in overtime and and kind of put us away really quickly. But to bounce back from that. You know, play a Northwestern team that at that time was atop the Big Ten standings. Get that win at Rutgers in a really hard-fought game. You know, really kind of a a gut check game, and for I would do that, and then to blow out Maryland and essentially blow out Minnesota again at home on Sunday. Uh, this four-game win streak has been a lot of fun to watch. We've seen a lot of different guys get into uh, get, get into the game and, and make impacts. We've seen Jordan Bohannon kind of become himself. Which is great to see. Uh, just a really, really good time uh, for the Hawkeye basketball team. Yeah, no, he, you know, speaking of Jordan Bohannon, I mean, I think that he is kind of the uh, the, the focal point of Iowa basketball. At first, had a bad game, but you look at the guy now, and, and he's a completely different player. I mean, after that talk with Fran McCaffrey getting his uh, his swag back, wasn't pointed at all, and. He is he is the right man. I, I had kind of debated back and forth uh, if if maybe he should be you know directly off the bench and from the bench. But given his production and what he's doing now, I think he's firmly uh, you know told everybody, um, the fans and the media included, that he is you know belongs in the starting lineup. There's no so, there's no doubt. Yes, he he has yeah. proven that to me, and I'm one of the guys who I mean even back into the summer, Joe, I was looking at this team and what they had coming back. Wondering about Bohannon's health and and how quickly he'd be able to kind of bounce back into the player that that we know and love. Assuming that Wieskamp, Frederick would be able to kind of handle a lot of that outside shooting ability, and then remembering kind of of Joe Toussaint throughout the Big Ten season last, essentially Mm -hmm. forced into a starting role when Jordan Bohannon went out, and and got better and better as the year went on, and really provides a different level of speed and intensity uh, that that we don't have a lot of on this roster right now, and so my thought was, hey, put Tucson in the starting lineup, have that aspect in there, and let the other guys kind of do the shooting. But when when Bohannon is feeling it, and he has been each of the last three games, that continues, 
there is nobody, maybe in the country, but certainly nobody that I remember watching as a Hawkeye who has the the clutch ability, just the the swagger to go up and take those sh- and make those shots, and then when he can, uh, you know, add to that fourteen assists and no turnovers like he did against Minnesota over the weekend. Um, it's just it's it's a different level. This team is on a different level when he is playing as well, and that that's evidenced by the stat sheet from that Minnesota game where you didn't get the input from guys like Keegan yep. Murray, C.J. Frederick. What you got was the Iowa's big three, the big three that we've kind of uh, I think we've kind of forgotten that Iowa has <laughs> because this roster is so deep. But you had Bohannon, Gar, Wieskamp combined for more points than Minnesota. Just those three players. They scored 72 of Iowa's 86 points on Sunday mm-hmm. afternoon. Well, and you see when, you know, Garza is always on. The guy the guy is always on. But what complements that is when, you know, Bohannon, uh, Joe Wieskamp, it just makes the entire dynamic of that team so much different. They're able to spread the ball out. They're able to penetrate. I, I've seen Jordan uh, – Early in the season, he was a little timid to drive to the basket. You know, he's kind of worked that out. He's actually attacking the basket a little bit more. He doesn't really go in for the for the kill. Like, I don't think he has the speed as a Joe Toussaint. But as long as he keeps that perimeter threat out there, it, it really opens up the ability to to move that ball around. And with Connor McCaffrey, what you saw when he went out was that the team is different without him. He is absolutely the glue and and the 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 main man for moving that ball around his eye his his vision for for getting that ball to uh, you know the right person is unbelievable and to to have him out of that lineup kind of threw threw us for a loop a little bit so having him back um and and getting in the mix with uh you know even the guys off the bench with keegan and and patrick it really really seems to have a, a nice dynamic and flow to it. And even the guys off the bench are starting to make a lot of difference uh, in this team down the stretch. Yeah, so. they really are. And, you, you know, the Connor McCaffrey thing, that's a really good point you bring up because I feel like a lot of people look at his stat sheet and say he can't score, you know, at a device. Why, why is he, you know, starting and playing a lot of minutes for a top five team in a really good program? Is it because of his last name? Is it because, you know, all these other things? And the answer is... He has earned this, um, and you see it when he's not there. You see the difficulty this team has running an offense. You see the difficulty they have getting the ball inside to Luca Garza in the right position. Um, Bohannon can certainly do that from time to time, but Connor McCaffrey is, is as you said, the glue uh, certainly of this offense and, and provides kind of a that bully um, mindset. He's, he's got some of the toughness that maybe— Oh, he's got his dad in him. He, he does, right? Does he that. does, and, and that's a great thing. Uh, more so than Pat. Patrick, I think I'll see that uh, as Patrick's career progresses, and I hope we do see a little bit more out of, of that out of him uh, because he's a different player. He'll be able to score his his offensive game is is on a different level than his older brothers. Uh, but but what Connor McCaffrey means to this team is is everything, I guess. Really, the and then Joe Wieskamp has continued to be aggressive. Uh, he's had a couple of off games here and there, but for the most part, he he's he's a pretty steady guy, and, and his aggression is really good. Uh, his rebounding has has been fantastic. Really, right now, I, at least in my mind, Joe, the biggest question for this team is, I mean, in this in this very moment, is what is going to take to get CJ Frederick kind of going again what's it going to take for him to have you know a big big game not that it's needed or not that I'm worried about that in the long term but like as I sit here today going into a Michigan State game and really a four game uh set here before that Illinois game that I think Iowa should should kind of run the table here that's maybe my only question about this team immediately yeah, you know, I've been waiting for him. I mean, early in the season, he he made some really really good strides from from last year, and I was I was really impressed. I I just haven't seen the the kind of fire and oomph out of him that Wieskamp has had. Um, really, that even Bohannon having you know a small slump, if you want to call it that, and then go, coming right back out of it. CJ just hasn't really found his gear yet, and I think he's going to find it. But I, I hope it's quick, and I hope he's challenged. Um, he just needs to make those perimeter shots. And in his driving ability, when we saw him early in the season, he he was able to get to the basket and and really you know push his will uh, you know right there in the middle. And and you know Nunji has done a great job of that as well, but he doesn't get as many minutes. So C.J. Frederick, I think he will find his groove. I just hope it's sooner than later, and it needs to happen really right now because as we go down the stretch, it's it's going to be all about seeding and. 
there's some there's some teams left on our schedule. They're going to be you know vying for a top position in the Big Ten. Mainly, I, I saw a great uh, matchup between Michigan and Wisconsin last night, and I got to tell you, Michigan scares the death out of me. That team yeah. is nasty, and uh, I, we got Michigan State coming up, and we're going to focus on them, but. I can't believe we only play Michigan once, but yeah. maybe that's a good thing. You know, it, it, it may be, and it's funny when you look at Iowa's schedule, um, to only play Michigan once, only play Illinois once. On one hand, you're, you're missing out on what I think could be some really, really good games. On the other okay. hand, as, a, as an Iowa fan, it's like, okay, uh, we <laughs> we maybe don't need to see those teams <laughs> those teams twice. Unfortunately, both those games are on the road. Um, and, and those two March games in, in the regular season that Iowa has before what we hope is a Big Ten tournament, uh, yeah. in the middle of March there. I, th- I think that could be where this conference comes down to, right? Because Iowa is at Michigan on March 4th and then home against Wisconsin on March 7th. And at least as we sit here today, those are the top three teams. Now, Wisconsin didn't look like a competitor uh, to win this league when they played against Michigan. We'll see how uh, Iowa yeah. looks against Wisconsin. We, we don't get them for the first time until February 18th. And so um, it, it's going to be an interesting kind of run here for these these next few weeks where Iowa's going to play a lot of games that they should win. And it's hard to – I've made kind of a bold pronouncement on, on my last Instant Reaction podcast after the Minnesota game that, you know, looking at the schedule – to say that a team should have like an eight-game win streak in a conference play in this Big Ten—that's a—that's a big like should have thing to put on a team. And I say that because we have a four-game win streak right now, and the next four games should be won by Iowa. They should have an eight-game win streak going into that Illinois game on January 29th. Obviously, things can happen, and uh, you know, avoiding injuries and COVID situations. But these are these next four games. If you're going to win the Big Ten regular season, I think these next four games have to be wins. It, well, they're they're critical, and I think they're up to the challenge. I think that we are, you know, arguably the best team in the Big Ten. Michigan, you know, hasn't lost a game yet. Um, so I mean, they they're technically in first right now. Iowa uh, a close second here. Um, we're going to find out going down the stretch. But to to win four more games in a row uh, would be a huge confidence boost and. I'm actually, for the first time, Illinois is still a great team, but they're not the team that uh, that scares me as, as much as they did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, um, Michigan. I, I, yeah, is, it's is mainly Michigan now. And um, Michigan uh, State, uh, you know, this Thursday is going to be a nice uh, challenge, a nice test. Anytime you're, you're facing an Izzo team, you're, you're going to get the best um, that college basketball has to has to offer. So I, I know that they're going to be on their game that, that day, but uh, – uh, it's it's going to be a gauntlet. I mean, we we said at the beginning of the season that the Big Ten is stacked. This is probably the best Big Ten uh, roster of teams that you've seen probably in thirty years. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a legit amazing conference. I mean, there's no other conference that comes close as far as I'm concerned. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, Joe, let's get to why we are here today, and that is to talk about Hawkeye football and kind of put a bow on this season as the college football season drew to a close on Monday night with Alabama's stomping of Ohio State and man oh. that Alabama team is just oh. just too good it's just too good I mean Ohio State was really really good they kicked the absolute crap out of Clemson the week before and just you know even I, I feel like even at full strength Ohio State wouldn't have been able to, to compete with that yeah. team um, I, don't, I, th- I think you're right I mean the the Heisman Trophy winner is the Heisman Trophy winner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that guy, yes. Smith, was just unbelievable. But, I mean, Ohio State, I, I don't know if, if the sweater vest uh, Jim Trestle defense uh, was out there <laughs> being conservative, but they, they certainly didn't look like uh, an Urban Meyer uh, type of uh, a team. Um, offense was, was kind of lackluster, and the defense, having a, a defensive back on uh, uh, Smith was just – I didn't understand it. There's no. there's a lot of weirdness of that, but the the game was hyped. It was it was good for about half, and 
then Alabama just took over. And that's what, Saban's the number one all-time for uh, uh, championships now? Yep. Seven now, yeah. six with Alabama in the last twelve years. I think I saw I, that no no recruit who has stayed at Alabama for at least yes. three seasons has not won a national championship. Yeah, so. every 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 recruit that he's recruited <laughs> has gone. So if you, I mean, that's think incredible. about that for a pitch. You're, you're, you're trying to pitch to kids to come to Alabama. I hey, you come to Alabama, you, you're gonna get. I can guarantee you a national championship. Well, the <laughs> Iowa Hawkeyes finished ranked sixteenth in the AP poll, and uh, while we got to find out how good Alabama is and how good Ohio State is, we never really got to find out how good this Iowa team is and I think that in the end that's going to be the thing I regret most about this this football season is just that we'll never quite know it'll always be a question of how good this team is or was or could have been um I guess first Joe overall just kind of the as you look back at at 2020 as the football season as a whole and maybe even you know starting all the way back in in June when things started to hit the fan and it felt like the program was you know tail spinning a little bit um in those 6 months I I guess overall do you do you count the 2020 football season a success for the Hawkeyes For the Hawkeyes absolutely um being able to stay healthy, being able to do the right things and to be that cohesive of a team. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we, we posed the, the question, the challenge, you know, are these guys going to be able to come together, ignore the outside, you know, talk and show us that they are unified as a team? I mean, they did that even after two losses, which I mean, two losses in a row at the beginning of the season. That's tough for any team, especially a team who's had some strife, you know, before the season even began. And they did that with flying colors. Uh, I never really saw, um, you know, anything on social media or anything else that, that suggested that they weren't unified. They went to work. Uh, there was a lot of people uh, questioning quarterback play, this, that, and the other. But it it still all coalesced to have a great season. And unfortunately, yeah, we, we didn't get to, to finish that and cap that off. And that's a regret that I have for this season is these guys earned it. And they still didn't get to, uh, you know, prove their their medal uh, on the field uh, for a bowl game. So that was that was hard for me to take. Yeah, I think that, you know, as you said, the, the kind of the biggest thing we learned this year was that Kirk Ferentz still has control of this program. Uh, he's still the right guy to be leading this program and that things are headed in the right direction. And and that I think all of those were in question at some point throughout the last six months, whether that be in June when the allegations of racial disparities came out, whether that be, you know, when the, the investigation from that Kansas City law firm came out, um, or whether that be after the 0-2 start and Amir Smith-Marset's OWI, and it kind of felt like uh, everything had, had kind of gotten away. And you're right, uh, nothing on social media that, that made us think that anything was that because the players always said the right things as you would expect. Yep. Um, but we we learned we've found nothing since then that tells us that that's not actually what was going on or how they felt. There there wasn't a lot of social media chatter even after the season. There weren't there haven't been a bunch of uh, mass transfers or anything like that. Uh, the recruiting class for the most part was was held together and and cohesive and and signed on signing day and and the future looks bright there as well. So I think you know. Topic 1A, kind of win 1A for me from this football season is that they were able to hold it together through, I mean, one of the most tumultuous off-seasons that I can imagine anybody having, other than, you know, the handful of programs that have been kind of death-penalized or had these, you know, ridiculous things. Um, Everybody had a weird off-season. Iowa had the weirdest off-season, and they were able to to come through that uh, and and still get to a, a six and two season. And I think you you use the word a great season. I think you're exactly right. I don't think that's an overstatement. I think what Iowa was able to do on the field in the eight games that they played uh, was great, and and it wasn't perfect by any means. And there are still questions that need to be answered going into next season. Um, but a lot of questions were answered during this season and, and answered in the affirmative. And a lot of cool things happened this season. You extended streaks against some of your rivals. You beat Minnesota for a sixth straight time. You beat Nebraska for a sixth straight time. You ended a couple of really ugly streaks against Penn State and Wisconsin. You beat Illinois for, I think, a sixth time as well. Sixth or seventh time for, for the Illinois thing. Yep. Um and and you know that that rivalry could get uh, bumped up a little bit here as as Brett Bielema takes the helm there. <laughs> that that could be fun. Um, Media days are going to be fun, <laughs> right? Uh, but you still had some of the the kind of typical Iowa things. The 
questionable play calling in that Northwestern game, the getting up big and then kind of uh, coasting to a loss, really, uh, throwing the ball 50 times in that game with a, a quarterback that just wasn't prepared to have that kind of uh, of game plan put on him. And, and I, th- I would say still isn't prepared for that from, from anything I've seen from Spencer Petras. And that's something that you and I will certainly talk about here in the next few minutes is kind of what the future looks like at the quarterback position and, and what we would like to see there. You had that Purdue game where you had the kind of Iowa typical thing of letting a team hang around, hang around, hang around, not being able to put them away, and then they hang around long enough and they, they're able to make the play towards the end of the game that ends up winning the game. And and those two losses are, are something that we're always going to look back on and say what Four if points. because this is a team that, that sh- should have. Is that too strong to say they should have no. won the Big Ten West? No, they should have won the Big Ten West. And, and honestly – you know, what if, what if, but those two teams that, that beat us, I mean, if they would have played us later in the season, yeah. if we would have had a, a regular season would play those, those non-conference games and gotten prepared. I think Petrus would have been a little bit more up to speed and ready, a little more confidence. I mean, I think he would have some of the smaller teams, Mac teams we would have played. He would have gotten some great opportunities to score some points and get comfortable. And I think that would have done him a huge wealth of good towards the regular Big Ten season to get him ready for that. I don't think we lose those games, um, especially since we lost him so close and we know the game plan. I think we would have potentially, potentially, I don't know, it's been, it was a weird season, but maybe could have gone undefeated up until a bowl game. I mean, who knows? I mean, it's it, we're never going to know. But they certainly had the the level of, of talent on the field and and the ability to do so. When we saw so you know all year long um, after those two games that they finally settled in and, and got their their strength down, um, they weren't really prolific where the uh, receivers were uh, as far as the receiving core, which is going to be down next year. We're not going to have that that awesome receiving core as deep as it was. Um, but you know, there's some bright spots to look forward to. Um, hopefully, you know, like you had mentioned, um, in Spe- uh, Spencer Petrus, um, and there, there's going to be a quarterback, uh, uh, race for that. There's, there's going to be a competition this spring. And, and I think that, uh, he should welcome that. And I think he will. And hopefully we find the, the best quarterback. I, I, I'm rooting for him, but I want the best guy on the field. Yeah, how do you feel about that right now? You you say you're rooting for him, and and I am too. Like I'm rooting for everybody, right? But but the second string and third string guys are Hawkeyes too, and if if they're able yeah. to win that job, they they will earn it, they will deserve it, and we will cheer for them uh, just as loudly as we we cheer for any everybody. I I wonder what most people, what most fans think. Do do they think that they've seen enough of Spencer Petrus? And because here here's kind of the I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to come up with the, the storylines, you know, come August when they announce the starting quarterback. And if they announce that Spencer Petrus has won this job, will people take that as, oh, no, we don't have a great quarterback <laughs> on this roster? Or will they take it as, okay, Petrus took another step and is ready to kind of take the helm of this team and take them further than, than he was able to uh, his, his first season? I think most are going to say, oh, no. Yeah, I think you're <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, it, it, just because, you know, he never – he wasn't the sexy quarterback. No, he never, he never, he never lit it up. He's and it got a heck like of an he arm. Be. It just seemed like his his decisions and some of his his touch plays just weren't there. It's almost as if he had uh, kind of reminded me of like Kurt Warner when he was playing in uh, um, the Barnstormers. He had a a, a rocket launcher. Yeah. Those guys broken fingers and, and and catching the ball. You know that that's how hard he throws it. These guys aren't used to that. And I don't know. You know, I watched some of his high school film. And he was throwing it hard there too. I don't know what changed from high school to you know college. I mean, he's he's a lot faster with his ball, his fastball, but he he just has to dial that in. And I think if he can do that, he he will be really good. Unfortunately, you know, we have to see it during the game time. I don't really care what you're doing during practice. Right. And that's you know the the coaches. I have to believe the coaches have this dialed in. Um, they they see these guys every day. They're they're working with them every day. But I do believe he will probably end up winning the, you know, the position uh, this spring. You know, barring some crazy amount of talent from uh, uh, one of our other uh, uh, guys. Uh, but you know, I'm rooting for him because he has the the skill level to do it, and I and I I believe that he can make the throws. He's just got to dial in that that nice touch. And, and you you saw some of that in some of the late 
uh, action and some he of the did. games that uh, they had towards the end of the season. He was able to to come back and make some great plays. It's just we got to have consistency, and that's what he's got to work on. But I do think the fans are going to be a little bit. Uh, kind of bemoaning if they hear his name called for the uh, starting lineup. Yeah, because you know, I think I think if Alex Padilla was capable of overtaking Spencer Peters for the, this job, he probably already would have done it. Uh, so I don't yeah. give Padilla a lot of uh, a lot of hope to, to do so. You, I, I think the name that that fans want is is Deuce Hogan, right? Because oh, yeah. he's got the name, he's got like the social media presence. He he does seem like that sexy quarterback, you know, with the big arm and the the swagger and, and all of he's that stuff. Um, and so you wonder, and then you know, it's whoever it is is not going to get an easy start to next season, and so you're going to have to come out playing well to have the fan base stay on your side because, uh, I mean, we thought this season was tough jumping right into conference play. <laughs> Joe, if you look at our schedule to start next season, in September we've got two top ten likely teams uh, as the first two games, uh, a a home game against Indiana to open the, the, the season, which is weird in and of itself, not only that it's a Big Ten conference game to open the season, but that Indiana is likely a, a top ten preseason team. And then another unlikely preseason top ten team in Iowa State. Uh, oh, and by the way, we get to go to Ames for a second game in a row. You know, have they have they decided that yet? Because I, that was my big my big conjecture uh, you know, towards the end of the season. I was like, you know, that's going to be an issue. That's going to be something that they're going to be talking about. It, it may be uh, something where that, they're going to play. Yeah, it may be something they're still they're still working on, or or or, or could still change. But everything I've seen um, has this game staying in Ames, mostly because you know the way they set this kind of back and forth schedule was to have a certain number of home games for each team in that season, yeah. and yep. so it would just kind of throw things off a little too much to to flip that right now when you've got these schedules booked for years and years in advance. Well, and so and and I'll be honest, you know, it's it's not really I mean, if I'm a Cyclone fan, it's not their fault that the Big no. Ten said we're not doing nope. out of conference games. So I, I'll give them that, but I really wanted to see it happen in Kinnick. Yeah, me <laughs> that too. Been, that would have been nice. Because I, I think, you know, it may not be popular amongst the uh, the Iowa State fans, but I think a lot of Iowa fans legit legitly feel I think we would have would have taken him to task. I, I don't know that we would have beat him. I, I feel that we we probably could have. Um, they had a lot of talent on their team. I mean, they're they're certainly a very very good team. No and doubt. They, they proved it by winning their bowl. But I, I think that Iowa had the physicality and uh, the, the style of ball to. Uh, well, we we know them too. Yes. We, we just we know Iowa. Yes. State, so. Well, and and you know, so he, here's why I would give Iowa the advantage in in this hypothetical game if it if it were to happen this past season, and I really wish it would have because that's the type of team I'm talking about. I want to see Iowa measure up against one of these teams uh, and and see what they could have done when they were really, really rolling. I think Iowa's defense would give Iowa State fits. I, I really do. I, I know Iowa State is a good offense, and Brees Hall would, would probably get his, and you know Charlie Kohler would probably score a touchdown and, and all of those <laughs> things, but I don't think Iowa State's going to be putting up 35 points on this Hawkeye defense. I also think no. Iowa State and Brock Purdy in particular are a little careless with the ball at times he is turnover prone whether that be interceptions or, or fumbles yep. and Iowa can force those things I think Iowa's offense would have struggled a bit with Iowa State's defense and and Mike Rose and, and some of those guys but I think Tyler Goodson could have gotten off and, and could have had a good game I think it would have been a low scoring close game the reason yeah. I give Iowa the advantage is the reason Iowa has had the advantage in, in several of these games because uh, Iowa is more disciplined and better on special teams, and we saw how oh, yeah. much that matters this year. Iowa Ooh. has a better kicking game, a better punting game, and a, a better return, and and you know uh, all, all of it, all of it. Iowa is, is superior to Iowa State was this year <laughs> in in special teams, and oh, then yeah. just kind of the X factor, the the pressure of it. I mean, Iowa. Uh, is used to beating Iowa State. We saw it in in this last game where Iowa State was going to have a chance to march down and, and try to score a touchdown. And what happens? They make a mistake. And Iowa, Matt Campbell and Kirk Ferentz are very similar. They're cut from the they same are. cloth. Um, and 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 Iowa State fans don't like that because it's it's a hard thing to be a fan of teams like this where every game comes down to one or two plays and every game is within a possession. And all it takes is for you to not get that break or not get that bounce or not make that catch. Um, and and you lose games that you feel like you should have won, and I think something like that would have happened that would have given Iowa the the win. I, I would have loved to have seen that game though. Well, and, and that would have changed the dynamic of 
of Iowa State season as well. For I sure. mean, that it, yeah. it, it really would have. And, you know, who knows? And maybe it was a good thing for them. They, they didn't play us. And, you know, for us, I don't I think it probably would have been a, a really good thing for us to play them just to to get that under our belt and uh, uh, moving into the Big Ten season. But, you know, it, it wasn't to be. Uh, at least they got basketball. Um, <laughs> we got the basketball game uh, this year. Yes. And uh, hopefully uh, next year. I mean, they have a, a plethora. I mean, I think the way too early poll showed Iowa State as what number eight? I think that's right. Eight. Yeah, six maybe. Yeah, yeah. six or eight, right around there. Two, but yeah, they're in the top ten, and you know we're we're uh, sixteen. I'm 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 great with that. I mean, what was it? Third third year in a row that Iowa's been ranked in the top yeah. uh, fifteen. Yeah, top twenty-five, and, and that's only the second time in the Ferentz era that that's happened. Oh uh, four or oh two to oh four. I think we finished eighth each of those seasons. Um, so you know the bar was a little higher in in those days, but uh, yeah, three three years in a row. Where Iowa finishes ranked, and you, you look at next season, they're going to go into this into the year. I mean, top fifteen, right around there, probably. It's certainly top twenty, I think, for Iowa in the in the preseason. And if you beat a, a top ten or you know top twelve Indiana team at home in that first game, you're going to move up a little bit. And that that Cyhawk game is going to be as hyped well, as, as any that we've seen. Hey, Iowa State's finally helping us. You know, for years I was like, <laughs> right. I don't really, I really don't know why we play this game because if if we lose, we look terrible. If we win, well, we just won a game that we should have. <laughs> now, now it's actually you know they're ranked. We beat them. It's a good you know quality victory. So I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad. In a way, I'm glad they're they're a much better and improved team because it's going to help Iowa too. So, I I look forward to playing that. And just just a thought that I had, we were talking about uh, you know defense. Didn't Iowa finish this year with one of the the best um, uh, not allowing uh, points? It was like 20 yeah. points or under. Yeah, I mean our defense was stout. Phil Parker is just a a brilliant. Brilliant defensive Yeah, it's it's like twelve games in a row, or so, maybe even yeah. more than that. Now that Iowa has Incredible. not given up more than twenty four points, and gave up twenty four once this season, that first game to Purdue. Purdue won twenty four twenty, but that that's the that's the high watermark for this defense giving up points, uh, which is which is pretty remarkable. And Van Valkenburg's coming back, baby. He's coming back. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Uh, just a couple of kind of overarching, you know, things looking back at this season. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. You know, when I th- when I try to think of like the moment from this season, um, two of them I guess jump out to me right away. The the Davion Nixon pick six against Penn State. <laughs> that was that. so much fun, so athletic. Uh, to see him kind of do that Euro step quarterback and, and take it to the house. You wonder how much th- that play alone played into him, you know, ultimately being named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Not that, that he didn't deserve it. He certainly did. But I feel like to get an award like that, to kind of elevate to that level, you have to have that moment. You have to have that that play that everybody can look to, that highlight that people can see, especially when you're talking about a defensive lineman who maybe doesn't make a lot of kind of highlight, real-type plays. Um so I think that that's number one probably in my mind, and then for better or for worse, the the second play that jumps into my mind is Amir Smith Marset flipping into the end zone against Wisconsin and and gimping up with that with that bum ankle. <laughs> you know that, that's that's yeah. Both of those are great. Um, Amir Smith Marset, you know, he had his his difficulty uh, with the OWI, and, and but he he moved past that. He apologized. Uh, I think we can all understand that. You know, he is a kid. He made a mistake. wasn't a good one, but. He made it. He owned it. Came back. He still performed. He knew this was going to be his last game, too. And, and yep. the flip was fun. The flip was fun. He got injured. People were kind of griping. Oh, you shouldn't. You know what? It, he, he's a kid. He had fun. We want these guys to have fun, especially in a year like this. And then Davion Nixon. That guy has the biggest, brightest smile ever. I, I loved it. I mean, you, you saw that guy just, you know, do a little shake and bake, 300 pound shake and bake. That's incredible. And you're absolutely right. That's why he, you know, he had that that little notch in his 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 football belt for uh, uh, being player of the year. So that's that's what's what's great. Any other I would moments? Just a lot of great moments. Yeah. Is there any other moments that that I'm missing that that jump out to you right away? Oh, that I mean, the, uh, again, those are kind of the two. And obviously, there there were a lot of them. Um, Tyler Goodson's touchdown run against Wisconsin, the long one to kind of really ice that game, is is another one that kind of jumps out at me. Um, but so you know, many of these games were just kind of blowouts that there weren't a lot of huge plays. You know, for me, my my, my biggest things that, that, I, that I'm going to remember from this season was Kirk. 
Now, I, I love the players, and the players are fun to watch, but the his attitude, the, yep. the, the uh, Minnesota game, <laughs> calling the timeouts. Uh, or, uh, yeah, uh, uh, towards the end of the game, yeah. you know, leaving the, leaving the timeouts on the field, and then uh, <laughs> against Nebraska, uh, you know, just asking, you know, clapping, like, you know, am I dressed appropriately? <laughs> Do you like what I'm wearing? I mean, he he had a snarky. I don't know if it's it's because he is the don of of college football, or you know, if he just got to that point where you know. I've been through all this stuff during the off season. I, I've we've we've moved past that. And then we got to the season. I've been here, and we're we're talking. You know, we've gone through COVID and all this stuff, and we're talking about this. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> kind of reminds me, of like you know, um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Irving, when he was talking practice. Yeah, talking yeah, about practice? Right. yeah, right. In uh, so. your point, I kind of forgotten about that the the snarky Kirk that we got this year. The you know what, what, a lot of the talk over the summer was let these guys be themselves, right? Let their personalities shine. I think we saw uh, I would do that with Amir Smith Marset. Let him do what yep. he was going to do. And I wonder if some of that rubbed off on Kirk Ferentz, and he said, you know what, I'm I'm a little bit here, and I'm going <laughs> to let PJ Fleck know, and I'm going to let Scott Frost know that I, I don't I don't appreciate kind of the way they approach this thing. It's it's not my style and. Um, you know, I certainly respect them on the field, but if they're going to talk some junk, if they're going to pull some stuff, I, I, I can do that too. I can come right back at you. And so uh, really enjoyed that, that level of Kirk. It'll be interesting to see how much of that stays into next year. And I, I really think, you know, the, the calculated nature of Kirk Ferentz, he's not going to say stuff like that. Uh, after no. a Northwestern game, right? He has too much no. respect for Fitzgerald. He's not going to say yep. stuff like that uh, after certain games because he respects those coaches. Yep. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say he doesn't respect PJ Fleck and uh, and Scott Frost because I, you know, I, I don't want to put that on him. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, he's he's a, Kirk is a good guy, but he showed how he feels about those guys, or at least in contrast with how he feels uh, about the rest of the coaches in the in the league. Well, yeah, he shows, you know, this is, he's from the Hayden Fry era of football. Um, Hayden Fry had a little more fun than, than Kirk <laughs> he you know, does, but, you know, he's, he is that, that old school cloth, you know, and he was, he was showing, he came into the league, you know, at the same age as, as Frost. And, you know, you, you compare and contrast from, you know, Kirk's start to, to where he is right now. He's been the same guy up until this year. He's been the same guy. So it it was fun to see that. At least we we got to see a little bit of of you know the real Kirk Ferentz, how he really feels. He just kind of let and just showed it what it was. It was it was great. Another really kind of it. moment of the season, snapshot of the season. This is in a negative way that just kind of is the Makai Sargent fumble in that Purdue game. You know, driving late to kind of take the what what, what it felt like you were going to go in and, and take the lead. Seemed like Purdue was going to be able to stop Iowa's offense, and and to have that fumble in that moment really kind of let that slip away. And you know, nothing against Makai, obviously he didn't try to do that or anything like that. But it was, uh, I guess, if I'm if I'm looking at uh, moments of the season that made the season, I think that certainly needs to be in, in the mix. Yeah, yeah, that that was uh, that was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's hard being a running back, but uh, one of the most important things is taking care of the football. I think he did a pretty good job for the most part, but yeah, in situations like that, it, it, it's hard and it's, it's kind of uh, reminded me a little bit um, of uh, our game against Purdue in what 2002 when Dallas Clark. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, it was it was against Iowa State. Dallas Clark fumbled on like the one yard line. Oh yeah, yeah. And yep. that was our only loss of the of the year was against Iowa State, and oh, it kind of reminded <laughs> me of that when I saw that. How about how about a game? What what was your favorite game of this season? And obviously there are, there are six to choose from, right? The, the six wins are your favorite games. We the to to blow out Michigan State the way they did after that zero two start, but you knew it wasn't a great Michigan State team. No, that Minnesota game. That may be it for me. That may have been my my favorite Friday night. You still thought Minnesota was was a pretty good team, and um, you know better than than maybe they ultimately turned. And, and you still really didn't know much about Iowa's team yet because you you kind of felt like that Michigan State blowout was how bad Michigan State is than how good Iowa is. I feel like the Penn State game, Penn State this year, the Nebraska game. That's always fun to get that win. The Illinois game. I kind of put that in the same. Same boat as like the Penn State or Michigan, and Wisconsin was was pretty down by the time as well. Although I'll never uh, turn my nose up at a, a beat down of Wisconsin. I think doing this off the top of my head, I think going back that Minnesota game 
although not a good game, you know, not an entertaining game if you're if you're a neutral observer. It was thirty five to nothing uh for for the vast majority of that game. It was the only reason it wasn't a shutout is because PJ Fleck called that final timeout late in the game to get that score. I think looking back, that's the game I enjoyed the most as a fan. I think that was probably the most enjoyable game. Um Mine is, is probably still the Wisconsin one just yeah. because we hadn't beaten them for forever. But but as far as, as gameplay and an enjoyment uh, from just a, you know, being able to do. Uh, yeah, that Minnesota game was was fantastic. Well, the and, Wisconsin one, you felt like, all right, like now six in a row. That, that's something not a lot of Iowa teams have done. Uh, and you still felt like you had a, a big game coming up on Champions Week and then hopefully a, a big bowl game. And so it yep. it still felt like things were kind of rolling at that point, which was fun. Well, yeah, and I, I felt like we were we were poised to to have a good uh, you know showing for the Big Ten West, and didn't didn't work out that way. Yeah. I mean, Northwest thought they would probably embarrass themselves against uh, Ohio State, and they didn't for a while. Um, they, they played pretty well, but you know Ohio State being what they are, uh, they're they're kind of used to be the big two, Michigan and Ohio State, but it's really just lately. So it, it was, I, I wish we would have had the opportunity to play. Ohio State. We haven't played them since the game, <laughs> taking of fifty-five points on them, which is still it was that was a worse Alabama game. It, it so, was, it was. Yeah, that's so that's fun. So I hope I hope they don't forget that. But uh, yeah. and for the season, I mean, Davion Nixon, I guess is is the obvious answer. Yeah. Um, I'm not. It's worth talking about anybody else. The defensive line, maybe as a position group, uh, the most impressive, especially because. Joe, coming into the season, that was a big question mark. You know, what? Where is this defensive line going to get the pressure that AJ Epinesa provided? What What are they going to be able to do? And to not just do what they did, but to have several, you know, all power players to have the defensive player of the year in the conference on that line, and, and as you mentioned, Van Valkenburg coming back to have another hopefully big season next year. Um, I think I think Nixon's probably the MVP of the team, and and that defense probably the MVP among among units. Well, yeah, they they kept they kept Iowa in it, and it was it was strictly you know for, for this season it was the defense. The defense really owned this season. Uh, the offense did just enough to do what they needed to do, and that you know win ball games. That's all I care about. But uh, next year it's going to be a little bit different dynamic. But for for our defensive you know both offense and defensive lines, I never get too I guess angst because they just know how to prepare those guys. Mm. Getting the pressure sometimes can be an issue, but for the most part, defense. I'm I'm pretty confident that after the you know the first three games of the season, getting the kinks worked out, that by the time Big Ten hits, they're usually squared away. They're usually really good, and I I, I really look forward to uh, seeing that next year. It's going to be a, a, a challenge, but I think the, the thing that surprised me this year was that. Um, uh, uh, the center uh, Tyler Linderbaum yeah. didn't didn't make first team, uh, all, you know, all Big Ten. I, I don't understand how he doesn't make first team. I mean, I think it was a Ohio State player that did, but um, I don't know of a better guy in probably the country than Tyler Linderbaum. Well, he'll be position. back. He'll be back to win the all the <laughs> oh, he's going to, all those awards I, next season. Oh, and I tweeted out too. I was like, he doesn't have anything to worry about. He doesn't care. He's going to be making those NFL dollars, yes. and that's all that really matters. Yes, so. yes, exactly. Um, Offensively, I guess would you, would you say the MVP was was Tyler Goodson? I mean, the first All Big Ten first team running back Iowa has had since Sean Green in 08. Uh, just his sophomore season, but man, he he is a special special player. He absolutely, absolutely Tyler Goodson. He he has really he's grown a lot, and to see him even get better uh, for next year is is going to be incredible to, to watch. He he's so strong. He's quick. He's got he's got such amazing vision. And as long as we have good offensive line play, which I hope we have next year, he he, he reminds me a lot of like a Fred Russell. Mm. And he he he's quick and he's fast and he's able to get you know get into open space. And once he's in open space, you just felt like man, he's gone. He's gone. So I'm looking really really forward to uh, seeing him uh, get even better and uh, really carry the ball towards uh, hopefully a Big Ten West championship. Well, Joe, we we have set a record. No Iowa football conversation this season has gone this long without mentioning Torrey Taylor and the punting game. (laughs) The best punter in the Big Ten in his very first season of football. So much fun to watch. 
so cool to just kind of know this story and and hear him talk. But beyond all of that, the level of which a great punter affects a game and is an advantage for a team, especially a team like Iowa, who plays you know control ball and field position football and uh, the the weapon that he is. And I don't say that as a joke. No. You know, the weapon he is as a punter for this Hawkeye team, I really think can't be overstated. Uh, he had just a phenomenal first season. He he is. I call him Lord Taylor because <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard a, a announcer say Lord. So he, he's forever Lord Taylor to me. But <laughs> he is amazing. He, he's got that coffin corner kick, which. I don't know if he was told to do that, if, if they decided to bring it back. You don't see that much in college football. Uh, I asked uh, Kluver uh, if he had, uh, uh, you know, why that was. And he, he said he didn't really know. But, you know, uh, as far as uh, like the NFL, maybe they, you know, like the guys to kind of bring it out. But he is such a weapon of, of just stopping a team in their tracks and, and really stifling um, any kind of momentum that they may have by flipping the field. He is such a weapon. He, he is so good at what he does. And the accuracy coming off his foot. I mean, I don't think it's it's hyperbole to say that he's got kind of Reggie Roby-like, you know, ability right now. And, you know, I, I hope he can even get better. I don't know if he can get better, but if he if he does, we're, we're talking someone that's going to be very, very, very deadly uh, for next season. And it's he's, he's a great weapon. Overall, let, let's just grade this season, you know, A through F. Um, you know, A, obviously, I, I think we probably have to be just a little short of an A. I think an A is probably a Big Ten West championship, a showing yeah. in a, a Big Ten championship game and a, and a major bowl game. You know, in a normal season, I think I think an A season is probably, like like I'll say last season, probably an A minus, right? A 10-win yep. season, a great win in a holiday bowl, a lot of cool things to hang your hat on, but fell just short of, of the ultimate goal of, of playing in the Big Ten championship game. Um, you know, this is probably a step back from that, and I think you have to look at it in context, uh, you know, not just in a vacuum, and, and the context being no non-conference, no spring football, any of that kind of stuff, uh, really weird, you know, the, the season being canceled in August and then and then reformed in September, and Iowa dealt with some COVID issues in, in the interim there because they had sent everybody home after the season was canceled, the 0-2 start, all of that. <sighs> I really want to give this like a B plus, which I feel like again in a vacuum would feel high for a six and two team, but with the context of everything going on and the way the season started and how they bounced back, taking into account the fact that their strength of schedule wasn't the greatest, I think a B plus is probably where I, I put the twenty twenty football season. You're you're right on, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, th- with given everything that they had to go through and being able to stay on track. They lost two games. That that sucked, <laughs> but they they didn't they didn't stop. I mean, Wisconsin they kind of stopped, you know, and they have a similar culture as as Iowa does. But you didn't see that out of them. You you, you look at this Iowa team. They just kept on going. They kept their their head down and they they continued to play hard. And they almost were rewarded for it at the end of the year with with a bowl game. Um, but it's j- just the amount of, of of you know overcoming this adversity of all the things happening, whether it be the, the racial thing during the off season and then the COVID hitting and then, you know, avoiding any COVID related, uh, you know, issues to keep players out. Mm. I, that's the thing that I was most amazed about. You know, they're getting testing every day. The university of Iowa, thank goodness for them. They had the ability to, to give them really accurate and, and timely tests. And we were able to keep all these kids playing and for them to have the ability to, you know, stay together and to not be going out and not getting themselves in trouble. You know, it, it was amazing. So yeah, I, I think a B plus is absolutely the mark they should do. Then I mean, this is a team that, you know, their two losses, they only lost by, what was it? Four points. Yeah. Four points, four points, you know, more than that, just to, to beat them. But you're looking at four points and then you know, that's all we lost by. We could have, we could have swung that a different way. We could be undefeated. Um, not having those non-conference games as, as a, a bench to prepare you for big 10 play. I mean, for an Iowa team, a developmental team, that is a crucial time to get those kinks out. We had no time to do that. We were just thrown into the fire. Here you go. Big Ten season, go. Um, Joe, you, could argue, you could argue the other teams had the same thing, but for Iowa, it, it's a little bit different. It takes us a little time to get rolling. So I'm impressed. A B plus, absolutely. 
we will have some time as uh, as spring football gets closer and as we get through this basketball season to start looking ahead to next year. And, and I want you and I to kind of do a pod like this, uh, but previewing the season, uh, you know, not not really a preview, but kind of a, a look ahead to what 2021's football season uh, could and should look like. And we'll do that here in the in the coming weeks as our attention now turns pretty fully to this Hawkeye basketball team and all of the things out there and the expectations. But as we put a bow on the 2020 season, Joe, anything we haven't touched on that you really want to talk about? Any any uh, storylines or aspects or anything that, that we didn't talk about in these last you know 45 minutes or so uh, that, that you really want to put out there? Well, you know, I, I'm glad that, uh, uh, you know, Kirk is going to be our guy. Um, some of the other coaches in the Big Ten, I think uh, the carousel is kind of moving. And we, we heard Jim Harbaugh is is staying in the league. He's he's going to be uh, Michigan's coach next year. However, I think that's probably his last year. Um, you, you look at Northwestern with uh, uh, Pat Fitzgerald. He might be gone next year. He you know Chicago's looking pretty hard for a new coach, which they need a new coach. They need a whole new organization at that program. But that's another story. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the coaching carousel in the Big Ten for the most part has stayed intact, but there's some there's some people that are going to be moved, uh, you know, pretty shortly. I think uh, for next season, if if things don't uh, change during the off season. No doubt, no doubt. It's good to have the uh, the solid guy at the top that we have. It's you know, in in my lifetime, Iowa has had two head football coaches, and incredible. <laughs> that's, that's a remarkable thing, uh, and and two guys that I think we can all uh, be proud of and be fans of, and uh, we'll have. Uh, statues and streets and things like that <laughs> named of, of, of both of them uh, for for long, long time. Joe, this has been a lot of fun, man. It's it's cool to put a bow on this season, uh, which was a, a very good season. And now, as I said, it's all roads to basketball, baby. And let's go win a Big Ten title and uh, and go get to a Final Four, huh? Oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. You watch. It's going to happen. I love it. We're going uh, to celebrate hard. Joe and I will uh, we'll be back with more podcasts uh, throughout – this the the spring you know all the time we're, we're always putting stuff up on uh, on Hawkeye Nation subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and check out the site uh, Rick Brown John Bonacamp Rob Howe uh, a bunch of people contributing and doing a lot of really cool things and uh, and we're just trying to give you the best Hawkeye content out there so we appreciate it Joe thank you man this is fun Hey Andrew thank you go Hawks thank you for listening go Hawks. <laughs>